All right. My name is Zachary Schulman, and I am here at the office of Brooklyn Queens Land Trust. Um, today is Tuesday, January 24th, 2017, and it's approximately noon. Um, and this recording is part of Brooklyn Queens Land Trust's Our Gardens, Our Stories, Oral History Project in partnership with Brooklyn Public Library. And I'm here with... Rosalind Forbes. And I'm one of the starting members of uh, Brooklyn Queens Land Trust, uh, which is back in, I think, 1999. All right. Yes. And so you're a member of um, Contented Heart Garden. Yes. And can you tell me a bit about um, how you became involved with the garden and what's, what, you know, what the early days of the garden was like? Okay, I'll uh, start off how I got involved. In the uh, 90s, the city was selling lots, and they offered my family, you know, uh, 1475 on Bushwick Avenue if we wanted to buy it. And I um, didn't know what to do, so I spoke to one of our neighbors, which was Miss Hart, and she was... Uh, an activist in the community and she said that um, at this time she was involved with TPL trust for public land and I should come to a meeting and find out you know what they were doing in regards to empty lots and uh, I did and that's how I got involved and we established the BQLT um, in the early uh, 1960s, my father cultivated that same land, 1475, which is now um, Contented Heart Garden, and he used that lot to plant. He cleaned it out, he tilled it, he salt, tilled the soil and planted seeds uh, for vegetables, and which was collard greens, corn, cabbage, tomatoes, and cucumbers. So um, I guess having fresh fruits and vegetables uh, was a daily and was a natural thing for us because we grew up that way. My father was a countryman and so was my mother. Um, in the early 70s, um, Miss Hart was, again, like I said, a pillow in the community. Uh, she was proactive and she partaked in the event to improve anything in the neighborhood. So um, when she realized my father was planting, uh, she get, you know, joined with him and they both were planting in that lot. Um, so they, I think, for several years planted there. And um, as time went on, my father became ill because he's up in age, about 80. And he passed away, but Miss Hart continued to plant and vitalize the community. Um, and again, in the mid '90s, uh, my father, my the family was offered a lot, so that's when I got involved with her. <clears throat> um, I realized that the lot was not really being used; just part of it. And half of it was items people had thrown garbage and different things there. And it this was a blighted area and a site 
not to look at. So uh, I decided to get a dumpster and clean it out, especially the back end of it, which was like part of my driveway. That, that lot sat in between, uh, I guess, my driveway and other houses. And so Mrs. Hart was planting on part of the space. And then in the front, it, yes. And then part of it that was closer to your, to your home had accumulated some Yes, it was just uh, they were using it for car parts, mm-hmm. anything, just throwing garbage. Mm-hmm. All right, so that was that. Um, after we cleaned it out, uh, that's when I decided, well, let me get involved with TPL and uh, find out what was going on, and I continued to plant uh, in the spot. And that's how uh, we had a steering committee. We established uh, different committees. And uh, voila, we had BQLT. So that was in 1999. Um, What happened between the 70s and the 90s? Again, it was was, uh, something that I decided not to buy, just to get involved with. Um, well, you mean between the 70s and the 80s? Yeah, 70s, 80s, and 90s. It was just a lot that was there, and part of it was, you know, being uh, used for vegetables, planting, and part of it was just, like I said, just items they're thrown about. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, after my father died, uh, Miss Hart continued, but she was up in age also. Um. I decided uh, to, I think in 99, to, again, get some uh, a, a dumps and clean it out and continue to plant. Because I'm involved with uh, plants and natural foods, so that's what I did. Um, again, uh, going to TPL and just establishing BQLT, uh, it was um, interesting to see how several lots in Brooklyn and how they have grown. So I used to visit other uh, lots, other gardens, and I got some ideas from them and brought it back to uh, Contented Garden. At that time, the lot was Contented Garden. Mm-hmm. Um, so my connection... Uh, I joined, you can say, with Miss Hart. Uh, what types of ideas did you bring from other gardens? What stood out to you? Um, I guess how they collect water, mm-hmm. rainwater, um, fence, putting up uh, wrought iron fences instead of the chain fence. Um, we thought about having a place, benches and tables, and I think that's when they des- decided maybe we can use casebos. Uh, and that was part of TPL, getting us um, walkways. You could, you know, they, I think people just decided that it was something natural that they could do. Anything they can use, they would hammer, they would uh, pour cement. So uh, to make it look even more beautifying, we uh, put down bricks, little bricks for walkways. So we established uh 
contented heart garden. Um, so that was in the 90s to the 2000s. Um, so I think that's what, that was the biggest transformation, I think, at that time was, was uh, a gazebo walkway fence. Mm -hmm. And as time went on, um, everyone else came in with their ideas, but it was that, wasn't that many people, many members. It was Miss Hart, myself, and Edna Wade, who came in about maybe 2004. And she also uh, planted, and uh, she had the green thumb, and eventually she joined, I think, uh, TPL and BQLT in uh, 2007. And was there a certain moment or time period that you felt that you went from one or two people planting to a larger community project? Was there some sort of shift for you that you noticed? Um, yes, um, neighbors would pass by, they uh, admired the garden, they asked questions and we asked, you know, it's an area where if you want to plant, you can. And we had uh, different beds, uh, or different, I would say, different types of vegetables and things that we planted. So uh, as time went on, uh, people were interested and they joined, yeah. Um, Again, Miss um, Hart was interested in, in planting a uh, maple tree, and this was like in 2006, and she did. It was really a beautiful tree. However, the maple tree uh, had deep roots, and the roots would um, cover the ground. However, we noticed that our uh, plants and vegetables was not growing well. And that's when we were told, we learned that the roots from the maple tree would prevent the uh, vegetation from coming up. So uh, we had to make a decision to cut the tree down. And it took us a while to do that because it, it was such a beautiful tree. So eventually we had to cut the tree down. And we noticed after that uh, <laughs> the vegetables and things grew better yeah what are some distinct ways that you've seen <clears throat> the garden evolve over the years you know both in terms of group development or or distinct changes or anything else um i think would be learning um about soil learning about how uh you can move your vegetables or your, your planting seeds the next year in different places for them to to even prosper even more. Um, like you may not put your string beans in the same area. It could be in another area and it would uh, prosper more at that time. Um, I think knowing that we needed to have um, a water system and eventually we did get that because um, we were using water from the hydrant, and that was kind of hard because you had to take buckets and hose and connection, and you know it was like stealing from the city. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so we eventually learned that okay, 
was something else for us to bring to the committee and sit down and talk and find out how we can probably use the city in a way. And that's when we had the water system. And it's tapped into the city line. Yeah. Um, anything else? Uh, again, knowing that this is a, a land that was uh, a building, and the building was, uh, I think, burnt down, and therefore, you know, you're looking at the soil. What could be in that soil? So we decided to test it send part of that soil in different areas to Cornell University and test it for arsenic or any kind of mercury or lead, etc. And uh, uh, at this time, uh, with TPL, we had, I think, 30, 37 gardens. And out of the 37, I want to make sure it's 37. We had 21 that had lead. So uh, thank God, Contented Garden at that time didn't have much. Okay. But what we did, we brought in soil from other places um, uh, and made beds. So we covered what we had made the bed, put the new soil in there, and we planted from there. And that's how we had uh, 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 obtained our beds in the garden. So it, it every year was something that we learned, and it was through the meetings that we had and learning. Also, we got involved with um, the botanical garden, uh, which also gave us information. In so, you know, if you never knew anything about planting, uh, there was plenty of information and opportunities and different organizations that would help you. So uh, things were growing. It was really a, a interesting time. And then to see that um, the lots were used for the community, a, a purpose that that everyone looked at and they were saying, wow, I mean, you can turn this in. It doesn't have to sit there and just collect garbage. You know, you can build and grow, and the people in the neighborhood, uh, you know, really, the neighbors really loved it. It was, it was, I like a, 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 a sight for sore eyes. Yeah. So it was uh, that. And for folks who haven't been to the garden or haven't even seen photos of the garden, can you describe what it looks like today if you were to walk in? From the street? Oh. What would someone see? What would they experience? <clears throat> From the outside behind the wrought iron gates and you're looking in, you would you would look in and what would attract you would be uh, the flowers, number one. Uh, the walkway, it's right in the middle of the garden and the gazebo. And then you could see a huge tree in the back. Uh, it's, it's organized well. Um, it's where you can come in and maybe sit in the gazebo and read or um, listen to music. Sometimes we have uh, fun uh, raising um, events and we have music, jazz. And so when you see it, it it's inviting. You know, so it, it, I think the flowers 
would be the first thing. And then when you walk in, just the scent of the tomatoes, uh, of, of the lavender, of um, sometimes we have um, herbs, your rosemary, your thyme, your sage. So all of those aromas, and it's, it's attracting, you know. And also, you, you can see butterflies and grasshoppers, which, you know, it's kind of rare in, in Brooklyn to see butterflies fly. And I don't mean just the ordinary white butterfly, but the colorful ones, the orange with the black spots. And, uh, you know, you, you see birds, blue jays and doves. And you can hear them in the morning. So I think everyone welcomes the garden. Yeah. What, um, despite the kind of the beauty that you described, um, what's been the biggest challenge over the years for you and or for the garden as a whole? You know, for you within, within the context of the garden. Um... I think, I wouldn't say that we have a challenge uh, because when you have a garden, you have to sit and organize it and you have to have the members to understand that we all have a job to do. And I think Everyone knows that, so we have to get together and decide, all right, this is a chore that we all have to partake in, and it has to be done. And if you want to say a challenge, maybe someone doing more than the other, but uh, I, I think once we realize that it's something that we all have to get together and um, just do it, uh, it, it, we just get in there and do it. It's not anything that we fuss about or argue about. Um, maybe sometimes um, you want something done immediately. You may not get that done because somebody works, I work, or someone has something to do or but that's just about it. Maybe that could be the challenge, just getting it done at a certain time. But when winter comes or before winter, we know fall is here, we have to prepare the garden just for it to rest. And then in the spring, we have to also prepare it for putting our seeds in, making things grow. So when you have that in your head and you already love uh, gardening, it comes automatically that you know, oh, it's time for me to go and look and get something done in the garden. And you can't ignore it because it's right in front of your eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, have you found that there are, you know, elements of the garden that you, like, kind of, like, things you've learned from working with the garden that you brought into other aspects of your life? Or, you know... Um, or you've seen other people in the garden um, bring in from other projects that they've worked on that have been really beneficial to the garden, kind of like the other resources that people 
um, and experiences that people have that, that have really helped make the garden strong? Uh, could be art, just uh, certain art that uh, would be for the community um, or entertainment. I, at one time we gathered uh, a group of women that just sang uh, solos and uh, without instruments and um, it was enlightening because um, it just fit the atmosphere at the time and it was colorful because it came in costumes so that was something that was uh interesting for people to see and it was kind of different you know it was like something added uh other than having the plants there but just to have entertainment that was um inviting um anything else um I think when you have your affairs like uh, fundraising, you do have uh, neighbors that will pass by and would like to participate by singing uh, or bring an instrument themselves to play. Uh, so I, I think just the art and crafts of what you can do with a garden or what's there for a person to do. Um, at one time, um, we had a uh, back-to-school um, affair where we decided to have a event for the children. And we, I don't know what they call it, but amusement park where they can go in and jump and, and slide down into a bubble. And that was another event that was kind of unusual to see in a garden. Because you usually see it out in the street. And, like you know, a bouncy castle? Yeah. Like one of those? Yes. And it was in the garden? We had it in the garden. Wow. And what we did, we uh, also had food, but we had it in Miss um, Hart's backyard. And you had to come through the garden to go into that bouncy uh, bubble. Mm -hmm. So that was different. Yeah. So you've talked about that. You've mentioned a, a number of different music events that you've had over, over the years. Are there other types of programs or events that have really stood out to you that you've, that you've hosted or produced in the garden? Well, birthday parties for kids. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe just um, meditation, uh, breathing exercise, you know, um, anything that would... Uh, aromatherapy is there, you could say. Um, and I, I just think the the elements of what nature offers it, it's there and uh it you can just use your own imagination and say i'm sitting here and i'm breathing and i'm just relaxed or i see the birds and i can hear the sounds uh and to me that would be something that would be different Um, what types of changes have you seen in the neighborhoods surrounding the garden over the years and, and how do you think that those have, have affected the garden? Um, I, 
Well, the, the, the community has changed, and we all welcome change. I, I think um, respecting um, the grounds, respecting, um, and when I say that, like if you're walking your dog, clean up after your dog, especially in front of the garden. Um, the only thing is that I, 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 I think allowing them to bring the animals into the garden, I think, uh, is, a, is kind of challenging because we don't really want to start that. We already have little stray cats, so you're trying to keep them out. Uh, or, I don't know, they call them moles. They come in sometimes and you see holes in the ground and you don't know what's going on or who's eating up your cabbage or who's eating up the greens. But you can see that uh, someone has been in there. Um, any other change? Um, I can't say we had, uh, we'd call them vermits, so mouse, rats, rats or... and yeah, have not seen that. So okay. that's... Uh, something that we thought about. Um, other than sometimes the building that would be next to it, uh, maybe some kids will throw paper and throw things out the window, but uh, that that is something that we try to nip, nip that immediately and talk to the parents and whatnot, but um, there's not many changes. I, th I think just having the garden and keeping it up um, and, and keeping it in an area that is also changing, uh, it fits right in. It, it's an area that, I mean, it's something that has not changed. It welcomes the community and it improves the community. So other than that, um, just the changes of the community itself growing, I think the garden is well suited to be there. It's, it's other than having cement. You know, cement to me is hard, but when you look at a garden, you're looking at dirt, something soft, you're looking at flowers, you're looking at there's water, uh, there's trees, there's birds, there's bees, other than just looking at the infrastructure being built with cement and bricks and glass. So I think it's well needed in the community to have a garden where you can come and sit and meditate or just sit and smell the flowers like there is a tree that grows in Brooklyn. <laughs> the trees do grow in Brooklyn, so there's gardens that's in Brooklyn too. Yeah. So, one one larger question um, about kind of what you might want to say to future gardeners, but maybe before I even get to that, like, do you have um, other pieces of the garden's history or anything that you want to share um, about the garden that we haven't talked about? No, no, I. Hmm. I think uh, 
we mentioned taking down the maple tree and then there was another tree which you uh, I forget the name of that tree some kind of fern tree that was what's the name is it a, a locust tree the locust tree is that the one that we took that, down a few or we took part of down a few years ago yes yeah. yes um, that was kind of um, hard to see because that tree is one of the original trees in the garden and it was huge and it had to come down because it was just overwhelming the garden and also uh, property. So, uh, and it was sitting in, an, in a location that uh, was the back of the garden. However, again, it interfered in light it interfered in blocking the person's roof and far as drainage. Um, the leaves will go on the roof and prevent the water from draining out. Um, but um, that would be the only thing that I would notice in regards to just taking down the tree and the maple tree. Yeah. Yeah. Is there, so this is my, my last question is, you know, is there anything that you'd like to say to future gardeners, future residents of the of the neighborhood? Um, kind of words of wisdom or advice? Or... Well, I, I, I think that uh, it would be nice for them to bring the children in to learn about gardening, learn about trees, just learn about nature itself. I, I think uh, the more that we teach uh, about uh, what's natural, um, I think it's healthier and conducive to children growing up because they can see a seed is like a child, you know, it grows. And if you nourish it, it grows well. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for, thanks for talking. You're welcome.